Unscripted. The Bears still suck. The Bears still... Oh, never. I, that'll never get old, though. It'll <laughs> never get old. I don't... You know, I can tell you one thing. When they meet later in the year from Lambeau, if the Bears do come back and win, I won't be playing that again, I promise. Um, welcome to this uh, 389th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And in this 389th edition of our little program, we're going to go through our Week 2 NFL picks Obviously, the Thursday night game has already been played. We both, just just for dexterity, um, just so we let everybody know we're above board, we both would have lost. We both would have had, uh, both straight up and against the spread, we both would have had the Carolina Panthers. Disappointing game that we talked about in 388, so we don't, know, don't need to go into detail there. Um, I totally agree, though, with my partner's assertion that there, there is something wrong with number one in regard to the Carolina Panthers. And it isn't just his wardrobe. Um, let's start with the Sunday games. No bye weeks yet, so we've got a whole slate of games on Sunday and then a very interesting game on Monday night. Um, I think I may have said this before, but when the uh, the uh, NFL's Monday Night Football franchise started in 1970, the first game ever played was between the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. And uh, though the venue was different, it um, it should be an interesting game. But let's start with Sunday. And uh, let's start from, oh, gee, here's, an, here's a popular place for me, Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay comes in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Minnesota, I, I'm still kind of surprised, and I think, they've, I think they've figured out in Minnesota that Kirk Cousins – is a better game manager than he is a guy that's going to win or lose or win a game for you. He can lose a game for you for damn sure. Minnesota only threw the ball 10 times in their opening week win. Um, who did they play in week one? Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad my memory's going. Um, but anyway, in this one, again, these two traditional rivals, uh, the big question mark for me, will Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari be able to play? He is on the, the injured list as questionable with a back. I did see him exercising in the Hudson Center yesterday in Green Bay. No, I do not have a hidden camera there, but um, I did see him exercising. He said he was going to spend the next 48 hours with the Packers trainers. His back is tightened up. He's got back spasms. That's what he's got. But if he's not 100% against Everson Griffin, um, <laughs> then you might as well stay on the sidelines because uh, – Though that guy is unbelievable for the Minnesota Vikings. I do have great respect for Mike Zimmer. But in this game, again, Packers, the home opener for the Packers, the 101st season of Green Bay Packer football. And uh, I have the Packers both straight up and against the spread because for the first time in nine years, it seems like we have a defense. Well, I didn't know about Bakhtiari, and I hope he plays there, but I mean... Barring that, this is one of the easiest games of the week for me. I mean, I rode the Packers last week and felt great about it. And even with the Rod, uh, with Rodgers and the offense only making 10 points, mm -hmm. they still easily won and covered. So, uh, I mean, this is more of the same. I like the Packers this year. People don't realize how good the defense is yet. 
Rodgers and the offense are only going to get better. Minnesota's had a pretty good defense lately, but Minnesota's defense on the road is not as good as Chicago's at home. Uh, I think there's a, a lot to like here. The uh, Vikings do not have a good offensive line. The Packers do, as, at least as long as Bakhtiari's playing. Uh, there's just a million reasons I could come up with here why I like the Packers, but Packers both ways, one of the easiest games of the week, honestly. Let's continue on and go to a game that kind of surprised me a little bit in regard to what the odds makers, and I can tell you that I got these odds from the Bovada website, which is based out of Las Vegas. San Francisco uh, continues on their road journey, if you will, last week in Tampa Bay, this week in Cincinnati. The Bengals, and I, and I got to give the Bengals credit. I really do. Zach Taylor, the new head coach, they could have easily, and maybe some people believe they should have, won in Seattle last week, which surprised the hell out of me. But they gave the Seattle Seahawks a lot more than the Seahawks needed or wanted. But Cincinnati, home opener, um, Cincinnati comes in as one-point favorites. I don't see it that way. I see the 49ers both ways. And as Chris just shared with you that the Packers-Vikings game was a pretty easy pick for him, and it was for me too. Um, I think this one is the easiest one of the week. Uh, this one is the easiest one of the week. There were some current concerns with San Francisco coming into week one in Tampa. They er eradicated all those concerns for me. San Francisco is a good football team. I don't know the status of, of Bosa yet. He's kind of iffy in the air is what I'm hearing, but I still don't think it matters. I have the 49ers both ways. I have to say, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm going to take the Niners both ways as well, but I actually think this is one of the hardest games of the week. Really? Pick. I think there's just too many variables to, to, to make a decision, honestly. I mean, yeah, the Niners look great intercepting, actually pick-sixing uh, Jameis twice, but I mean... that You and I could do we, that. I could pick-six uh, Jameis Winston. So, uh, do you see him on the sideline? He's still trying to be a motivational speaker. You play in the same division as Drew Brees. Watch some fucking tape, buddy. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I, I guess I'll take the Niners. They have, I think, more talent overall. But I have to say, there's a lot of great pieces on Cincy, and a lot of underrated pieces. This is their home opener. And Zach Taylor, say what you want, he had them ready to play. Damn right he did. They probably Tribute deserved to, to win that game. Yeah, they. I mean, they really exposed the overrated Seattle defense. And, man, they. if that game would have been in uh, Cincy, I think they would have won. Jeez, that was a... Yeah, this is just such a tough game. I... I, I thought about it for a long time, and I'm going to go with the Niners both ways because they just have more talent. If Garoppolo plays up to his talent level, to his potential, then yeah, they definitely win. But he hasn't looked that great or that sure of himself lately, so I don't know what's going on. This game, anything could happen. Nothing will surprise me, but I'll just take the Niners both ways. I think one ways. of the reasons it made it simple for me is that, and I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said in regard to Cincinnati and, and, and uh, tribute to Coach Taylor for having them ready to go in week one, but... Cincinnati seems to me to be, I've got to see more of them in regard to, mm -hmm. will we get that consistent effort week in and week out? I don't know. I'm not betting on it this week, but obviously after this week, we still got a bunch of weeks to go. Um, third game on Sunday is the home opener in Detroit, Ford Field. The Los Angeles Chargers will uh, be the uh, opponent. The uh, Chargers come in as two and a half point favorites. And I have to say one thing before, um, I get to my pick. Do we really need Melvin Gordon in Los Angeles? I mean, that's blasphemous for me to say because Melvin Gordon is a Wisconsin Badger, but 
they don't really seem to miss him that much. And I don't think, uh, you know, if he wants to hang out until mid-November and make sure he gets that one year of accrued service, then I think he should do that. But San Diego, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers have done a nice job in the absence of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, they have no O-line, which is problematic even when Gordon comes back. I think because they have such a good tandem with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, and they've got just one of my favorite quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, who's just fantastic no mm-hmm. matter what, and so consistent, never missed a game. The guy is fantastic. Fr- frankly, though, they should have lost to the Colts if Adam right. Vinatieri could make a kick. Right. But the guy's 46, so I guess maybe we're seeing the end now. But I don't know. This, this, this is tough. Um, the Chargers... Ugh, do, do we need Melvin Gordon? I think if I was the Chargers, I'd be very tempted to try and trade him for a major piece, like a major O-lineman or some like, just make it a really good one-for-one, like get some stud left tackle or something in exchange for Melvin Gordon. And uh, because I think that's the least of their concerns is is running back right now. Uh, I it, I hope that Derwin James comes back soon and uh, that they get some old linemen because I like the Chargers and I feel so bad for a lot of what they've gone through and basically having no home field advantage whatsoever and it's too and bad. No home but field, period. Yeah, so who did you take in this game? I got Chargers both ways. I, I, I'm I, sorry, but Detroit, you pissed me off a little bit and I'm not a huge Lions fan and with respect to uh, Sean, the guy that we did the, the uh, draft with, big Lions fan, I respect his knowledge, but... Both of us were high on Detroit, especially going into that that insane asylum, which is down in, in Arizona with the Cardinals. We thought this would be a, an easy game to pick. We both were high on Detroit, and to piss away a 24-6 to lead um, against a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach, I think that's a little uh, disconcerting for Matt Patricia. And uh, I think L.A. is... Regardless of the deficiencies that they have, they're still two-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, two-and-a-half points better than the Detroit Lions. I've been trying to think of a way I could take Detroit outright or against the spread, and I don't think I can quite pull the trigger. So, yeah, Chargers both ways. Um, One of the surprise teams in Week 1 for me um, is having their home opener in, um, that would be, what, Nashville, Tennessee, Indianapolis continues their little road journey, first in Los Angeles and now in Tennessee, but the Indianapolis Colts, who played deservingly should have won in week one on the left coast, as Chris just mentioned. I truly believe Indianapolis, and uh, I respect Chris's uh, knowledge, but I respect his cojones to also take the Indianapolis Colts, even without Andrew Luck, to win the AFC South. And right now, looks to be a hell of a... Hell of a pick. And again, we're only week one, but uh, Tennessee surprised me. I really was surprised by Tennessee. I'm not a fan of their coach, Mike Vrabel. I have real concerns about Marcus Mariota moving forward. But they went into Cleveland and just beat the shit out of the Cleveland Browns, what they did. And they also got help because Cleveland lost their mind and had 18 penalties. That's a problem that I want to talk about as we get down to the Cleveland and New York game in regard to head coach Freddie Kitchens. But I digress for right now. I want to talk about Indianapolis and Tennessee. Tennessee showed me some things. They showed me a running game. They showed me that Mariota can play at a high level. Um, I, this is their home opener. This was a tough one for me. The number is minus three. Or the number that I have is Tennessee at minus three. So that makes them three-point favorites. I think at home in their first game this season, um, I'm I'm taking the Titans both ways. This was a tough one for me. 
I don't know if Indianapolis can put back-to-back efforts like that on the road together. If this game was in Indy, I might have a little different feeling. But being that the game is in, in Nashville, I'm going with the homestanding Titans both straight up and against the spread. I'm actually picking a lot of upsets outright this week, both ways. We have nowhere to go but up after week one. Yeah, holy moly. Well, I mean, but not just against the spread. I'm taking a number of uh, underdogs to win both ways. Sure. And uh, this is certainly one of them. I like Indianapolis. Uh, Of all people to let them down last week, Vinatieri missing three kicks. No question. Any of those would would have made them win, I think. And yeah, I really like them a lot. They're still a great team. They'd still be winning the Super Bowl this year if they had Andrew Luck. And I still think that they've got a lot to like. And uh, I like them to go on the road and win this. They want to avoid 0-2, especially in the division here. Uh, well, not that they'd be 0-2 in the division, but they want to avoid uh, right. having a divisional loss here. And I think that uh, after that surprisingly easy victory at Cleveland, I think then it's going to be a bit of a letdown to come back home and uh, and uh, be against a real tough divisional opponent. And I, I think that that game was actually very close until it got out of hand. I mean, that was 12-6 at the right. half. Right. And it in well into the third quarter, it was looking like this is anyone's game. And then all of a sudden, Cleveland just rolled over and died. And uh, so I, I think that... And plus, a lot of people are going to overrate that as well because Cleveland was supposed to be this whole brand new team and it's, they're just the same old Browns again. Yeah. And so now everyone thinks, oh, Tennessee must be awesome. And... Uh, I don't. I feel like Tennessee. Now that I think about, it, I think Tennessee does really well in Week One a lot, which is interesting if I think back. But yeah, I'm taking the Colts both ways. I really like them. Okay. Um, as I sit here and think about it, while you were going through your that game, the AFC South is up for grabs. Oh yeah. All four of their teams are 0 and 1, and this could be a division that is won with an 8 and 8 record, really easily. Could be one with an 8-8 eight eight record. Um, next as we're going is to... Oh, God. Um, this one's over already. Uh, <laughs> Pro Player Stadium in Miami, New England. 19-point favorites as of last night. 19-point favorites. As Chris mentioned in episode 388, it has been taken off the board by the pinnacle people, which is astronomical. That just doesn't happen. That just does not happen. And it happened for this game. We will bet it. Um, I wanted to put, I don't know why, I don't. I, I just must have had a, a senior moment there. But this one, I, there's no analysis needed. The Patriots are going to go in there, kick ass, and get the hell out of Dodge. Um, 19 is the number. New England is the favorite. Patriots both straight up and against the spread. Obviously, yeah. So I'll just say a couple of interesting fantasy notes. Both Antonio Brown and James White have made the trip to Miami. Uh, There was some doubt about James White because uh, his wife is pregnant and is about to have a baby. And so there was a chance he wasn't going to make the trip, but he has made the trip. It was just reported. So that's good. And Antonio Brown also made the trip as well. He's expected to play. I don't expect him to throw a lot. This will be his first game in new system. I think anyone who's expecting Antonio Brown to go out there and have a monster game is crazy, unless they really make a concerted effort to go after and to, you know, pass it to Antonio Brown, which I don't know why they would. That doesn't really make any sense. They should stick to the running game. Uh, if I was the Dolphins, I would at least put Xavier Howard on him and try to just at least don't let the rapist beat us, you know, and <laughs> so at least, you know, make them sweat it out in the dark jerseys and, uh, you know, the the sex fiend, let's, uh, let's try to slow him down a bit. So that's it. But I mean, uh, it's so many points to cover, but I mean, when the other team isn't trying, right? I mean, they easily covered 19 points against the Steelers. 
so yeah. what are you what are you going to say? Um, I do want to say one thing. I was very impressed uh, watching last Sunday's game, Steelers Patriots. Uh, Rex Burkhead, I think that's his name mm-hmm. from Nebraska. He runs hard. I got to give him a lot of credit. They've got two, three, four running backs there. James White is just one of them. But I was impressed with Burkhart's running. He ran hard. He runs north and south. He doesn't run diagonally. He gets the ball and hits the hole and continues going north and south. And that's the way good running backs do it. So I was impressed with the young man from Nebraska. And see, now for all you people that say, I never say anything nice about Nebraska there. Tape that. Um, I said something nice about Nebraska. It won't last, I can tell you that. Wait we get into the college football, and I'm going to get on them about what happened last week at Colorado. Um, Buffalo, in their home away from home, second week in a row at MetLife Stadium in New York, or actually New Jersey, um, Buffalo plays the other tenant at MetLife Met, Met Stadium. Easy for me to say. Buffalo comes in as one-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I like that. You know, I I I got to be honest with you, and I think you know this. I, I think I told you that when the Packers were going through their twenty nine years of shit, um, I was a Dolphins fan, and I liked the Miami Dolphins. That was during the time of Bob Greasy and Larry Zonka, and uh, Paul Warfield, and all the guys that went to the remember the old World Football League when the Dolphins lost Zonka Kick and Warfield to the Memphis something in the World Football League. Um, that shows you how old I am, folks. But I always had a soft spot for Buffalo, even though they employed a two-time murderer and Ralph Wilson was a great owner, even though he was never, he never got rewarded for all the years he owned the Buffalo Bills and the four trips to the Super Bowls in 90 through 94, the four years, my first Super Bowl of seven Super Bowls that I got to attend, my first Super Bowl was Buffalo and the Dallas Cowboys in Pasadena, California at the Rose Bowl. So I always have a bit of a soft spot for Buffalo. Um, I was impressed with Buffalo last week. They looked like they were just left for dead through the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters of the game. But in the fourth quarter, something snapped. And I think obviously with with C.J. Mosley getting hurt, that helped. But um, the Giants are not as good as the Jets, regardless of the problems that the Jets had last week. The Giants are even worse. And I think Buffalo covers this one, one and a half points, and they cover it big. I have the Bills both straight up and against the spread against the G-Men. Oh, me too. Buffalo, no matter what they do on defense, the defense is massively underrated. And then their offense, I think, is going to look good. I think everyone's going to look good against the Giants this year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love Buffalo both ways. Next one we're going to is Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. And if there was a team that had to be really looking and scratching and looking at themselves hard in the mirror after week one, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be one. Another one would be obviously be the Cleveland Browns. Um, another one may be the, well, the Miami Dolphins don't care, so we don't have to go there. But Pittsburgh has their home opener this week, and they take on the Seattle Seahawks, who got a bigger scare than a lot of people thought that they would from the Cincinnati Bengals in their home opener last week. This game at Heinz Field opens as the Steelers as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um Steelers need a bounce back. There's no question about it. If Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things, he's going to make it interesting. And that's why I have the Steelers winning this game straight up, but I have the Seahawks against the spread. This is one of the easiest games of the week for me. I've got Pittsburgh both ways for a lot of reasons. I think that when you have a good team, and especially a proud team, 
like Pittsburgh, start mm-hmm. 0-1-1, not ju- and not just start a 1-1. I would be saying this even if that was all that happened. But to lose to an arch rival and get humiliated on national TV and then to come home, I don't want to be any team facing Pittsburgh this week, especially under especially overrated Seattle, barely squeaking out a win against a team with no O-line at home where you're supposed to have this massive advantage and then flying across the country to play a road game. And, you know, even when Seattle was good, they sucked on the road early in the season. They'd lose all the time. Uh, this I think that uh, we're going to see the old Steelers offense here. The Steelers are going to put up a lot of points. Uh, now, the Steelers are known for giving up a lot of big plays. I could see Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett being really good here. Mm-hmm. I think there's. I think this will actually be an exciting game. I think this will be a high-scoring game. I think there will be a lot of offense. I think there will be a lot of highlights and big plays. But I think that uh, the Steelers win a shootout. I think the Steelers win this game about, you know, 42-24 type thing Whoa, is what okay. I'm saying. Like, they're going to put up a lot of points. If you have Juju Smith-Schuster, of course, that's great. But... James Conner, of course, but uh, if you have James Washington on your bench, I would start him. Uh, ben, I've actually got my two in in my work league. I've actually got my two quarterbacks are Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger, and my main starter is Russell Wilson. I'm starting Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm benching Russell Wilson in my work really? league, wow. absolutely, because I think he will be the better quarterback and get the better stats in this game for sure. So uh, Pittsburgh, 100% all the way. There is no way. They just lie down and die and let their let themselves go to zero and two after being humiliated on national TV. Okay, I'm interested in this one about Chris's comments, so I'm going to let Chris lead this one off. This will be the old traditional NFC East battle between the old combatants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Washington Redskins from FedEx Field. And I'll give you the number, and I'll let you go. Dallas comes in as six-point favorites. Yeah, this is my upset of the week. Oh, it got to six? Got to six. Oh, I, I like this even without a key number like six. But at six, this is just a slam dunk. How much money do you have in your bank account, and how much can you bet <laughs> against the public? First of all, just betting against the public is a great winning strategy. Look what the public does. Do the opposite, yep. and you will make money. So away you go. But... I mean, where do you even start with this game? So you've got America's team, and they had their coronation at home. And Zeke is back, and Dak looks great, and Dak's Joe Montana, and Jerry Jones is happy, and everything's great, and we're the best team, and we're winning the Super Bowl. And then you've got the shitty Redskins who lost to the Eagles. If you weren't watching that game, you didn't see how well they played at times. And now the Cowboys have to fly across the country and play their lowly Redskins. And the drop-off is going to be steep. When you have a team that has a big emotional coronation victory, and then they get to spend all week reading about how great they are. The Cowboys always get to read about how great they are. But now they're really reading about how great they are and and that. And now to go, and now you're going to have this hungry Washington team ready to play their arch rival. I would say Washington's most hated rival is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, for sure. I would say. I mean, you could... That, that might be the most hate-filled division, the NFC East, in terms of traditional rivalries. It, it's I think the NFC there. North is close. Well, but you are a little biased. Well, for in, sure in, I am. In, in, but, in, but, no but, question. But they, but they are close, yes. But those, remember those this. Are the two. I, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. You're yeah. absolutely correct. I'm not denying that. But Bears-Packers, Bear, uh, Bears-Vikings, uh, Packers-Vikings, Lions-Vikings is right up there with, um, obviously, Giants-Cowboys, Cowboys-Redskins, um, the only oddball that, that would be out back in the old 
before they realigned the divisions was always the Arizona Cardinals or the Phoenix Cardinals or the yeah, St. Yeah, Louis yeah. Cardinals, whatever the hell they are this week. But those two divisions, I would say, yeah, because, those are the just top because two. they've been around the longest too. Yeah, those are the those are certainly the top two. Um, and yes, I'm very biased. But you are biased. Yeah. So, but I love the Redskins this week. And this is before, for all those reasons, just you're going to have this hungry team. They should have beaten the Eagles. And now they're going to be out for blood. And they're facing the, of all teams to come to town this week, there's no one they'd rather have than the Cowboys. This is going to be a low energy game for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to, this is going to be like coming off a high. And they're going to look bad, especially after reading the press clippings all week. And then that's before we even get to Adrian Peterson that we talked about earlier, who is going to be out. I do not want to be assigned the job of trying to tackle Adrian Peterson this week because I'll get my head taken off, <laughs> right? He is going to, I am predicting Adrian Peterson gets at least two touchdowns this week. He is going to steamroll some slack, lackadaisical Cowboys, and uh, they are going to win this game outright. This is my upset pick of the week amongst a bunch of upsets I'm picking that uh, outright that I could pick any one of them I think would be real, like, you know, bold upset of the week picks. This is my upset pick of the week. Every factor that I care about favors the Washington Redskins, and I expect them to kick the shit out of the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, um, I agree with with a lot of things you're saying there, but I do have to temper my enthusiasm a little bit because I still think the Redskins are poorly coached. I am, yeah, I, I, I am not a Jay Gruden fan. I don't know what goes through his mind sometimes. He's not at all like his brother. Um, I think the Redskins, obviously, they know how enormous this game is. Uh, a lot like the Carolina Panthers, they don't want to start their season 0-2, especially with two losses being at home. And it's even worse for the Redskins because it'd be two division losses at home. But I think the Cowboys have more talent than the Redskins. And as difficult as this is for me to get out of my mouth, I think Jason Garrett is that much better of a coach <laughs> than Jay Gruden. Oh, man. Oh, hey, listen, you're, this is... This is as big a, you know, one pile of crap versus another pile of crap. I'm not a fan of either one, but I think the Cowboys can win this game straight up. And I think the reason they're going to win it straight up is it's going to be a Redskin mistake late in the game that's going to allow the Cowboys to kick a game-winning field goal. But I do think the Redskins cover. I'm taking the Cowboys straight up, but the Redskins against the spread. Wow. Well, we're talking, I mean, bottom three coaches with Bill O'Brien no here. Question. I mean, we're talking like 30th and 31st. Well, we're talking we're talking 29 and, well, we're talking 30 and 31 and, and butt chin at 32. Yep. No question. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, ew, Jason Garrett. I'm going to surprise wow. you with this one as we go down about uh, 60 miles south of FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. We go into Baltimore where the Arizona Cardinals hit the road for the first time. They'll be taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And before you get all excited about the Baltimore Ravens and what they did last week, and I found this hilarious this week. I don't know if you saw this. You probably did. Um, but you work all the time. Um, I don't. <laughs> um, the odds on Lamar Jackson winning the MVP oh went up to 10-1. to 1 after his performance in Miami last week. 10 to 1? 10 to 1. Now, okay, let's not get too excited. First of all, Chris and I could complete a pass, and Chris and I could score on the Miami Dolphins. I truly believe that. When they're not trying, for sure. When they're not trying, when they're just lying down, yeah, we could do that. 
Baltimore comes into this game as 13 points favorites. Um, I will, I, you know how I feel about the Cardinals. Their front office is a bunch of drunks. Their coach came off a five, seven and one season at Texas freaking tech and got fired, went to USC, lasted there 10 days, and then took the job as the Arizona Cardinals head coach. The best thing about Cliff Kingsbury is his girlfriend. You should see her. She's unbelievably hot. She was the one that used to be on the golf channel. Um, but all that aside, I learned something last week of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't like Kingsbury. I hate their front office. I hate everything about them, but they didn't quit. They were down 24 to 6, and they came back and got a tie out of it. And a tie looks better any time than a loss. With that number being 13, and it's still Lamar Jackson, I don't give a shit what anybody says. I'm taking the Ravens to win this straight up, but I'm taking the Cardinals against the spread. Well, me too, and you have to here, to be honest. Uh, too big a number. Oh, the number is ridiculous. These teams are the same to me. Mm-hmm. These teams are the same. You have a you have a young, college-scrambly, Tim Tebow-type quarterback who's not very sharp, but just runs around a lot and worked in college, and maybe it'll work here. Uh, and Frank, actually, if anything, I'd almost give the edge to the Cardinals because they have a better defense, including Mr. Terrell Suggs, who's returning to Baltimore here. Yeah, he, yeah boy. And that's going to be interesting, right? There's a lot to like on this defense. Chandler Jones and, oh, man, I mean, if anything, like to me, these teams are almost identical, uh, except the Cardinals probably have a slightly better defense. They are flying across the uh, across the country and they're playing on the road and they're coming off a grueling overtime game. So I understand that. But yeah, there's no way this spread should be 13 and a half. And why is it 13 and a half? 13, I have. Or, thir- sorry, 13. It's 13 and a half a lot of places. Is Whatever. It? Yeah, okay. but I'm, why is it almost two touchdowns? Because, because they won a game 59 to whatever. Because they beat the worst team in NFL history who wasn't trying. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I mean, this Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Marquise Brown, Antonio Brown's cousin, maybe he'll be good. He was very fast. I mean, maybe he'll be okay. But if you think he's going to be some sort of he was related to Antonio Brown? He is related. Yeah, he's, I'll he, be damned. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. That. Hollywood Marquise Brown, two touchdowns in his that. NFL debut. Yeah. I, know, I knew of him. I didn't know he was related yeah. to that idiot. I mean, when the other team's not playing defense, that's, I mean, what are you going to do? Of course you're going to look good. So I don't think he's going to be anything special. I don't think anyone outside potentially young tight end Mark Andrews is going to do a lot of receiving this year in Baltimore. I think they're going to mostly run the ball as much as they can. And I don't think that Lamar Jackson's going to be a great passer, even though he looked like Joe Montana in week one. I don't think that that's going to continue at all here. One of the easiest selections, and I know we both did really bad with our against the spread picks yeah, last week. Yeah, we didn't do well. We, we did well uh, outright, but we, we got most of them right outright. But uh, man, we were bad. And I was even worse than you. But if I had to pick, other than the Patriots outright, which is about as easy as it gets this week, uh, automatic pick, Arizona... Uh, plus 13 and actually my buddy Greg and I who when we do our sports betting and we do we try to parlay all the games and we have to look for upsets and you win more money for upsets um, we are we're having a number of tickets that have Arizona to win outright on there because we can win a lot of money and I think as far as 13 point spread games go this is as likely as you're ever going to find where the underdog just wins straight up is this game right here um, let's go to uh, Houston. Let's go uh, to the home of the Texans and butt chin. Um, Houston, home opener, eight point eight and a half point favorites. Houston comes in as. They are playing host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I felt really bad, really bad for Nick Foles last week. I like Nick Foles. I like what he does. I like what he did for the Eagles. I like that he... 
you know, uh, he led him to a Super Bowl, led him to a couple of playoff wins last year in, you know, uh, in relief of an injured Carson Wentz. And then to get hurt in your first game with your new team, he is on IR, but they think he'll be back yet later this year. They put him on that IR with a designation to return. But the home opener in Houston, um, one of the more entertaining games of week one, obviously, was New Orleans and Houston. New Orleans uh, won the game, but the Texans sure had a shot. In this game, um, I like what the young quarterback did that uh, came off the bench to relieve an injured Nick Foles. He did a nice job against the AFC's best team, in my opinion, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, They didn't fold up and die, but I just don't think they'll have, meaning the young quarterback is going to have that same kind of success in Houston against a good Texans defense. Um, I don't think Butchin can screw that up. Romeo Cronell is the defensive coordinator, former NFL head coach. Uh, eight and a half is the number. In this game, I have the Texans both ways. Yeah, this is another easy one, actually. Uh, let's talk about Gardner Minshew, the rookie quarterback for Jacksonville Jaguars. And I do agree. I felt bad for Nick Foles because he looked not the greatest on the other teams he played for outside Philly. But then he comes in with that beautiful, flawless touchdown pass, which I think is where he got hurt. That's right. Man, what a beautiful pass. And it looks like, wow, okay, maybe they'll be good this year. And then no. And I mean, if the Chiefs don't take their foot off the gas in that game, at halftime, Patrick Mahomes was on pace to set a new NFL record for most passing yards in a game on the road against what's supposed to be a good defense. I mean, how terrifying is that? So now, this Gardner Minshew, yes, he went 22 for 25, but almost all of those were very short checkdowns. That's all he was doing against a prevent defense. And that's okay. It's okay, but it's not going to beat the Houston Texans. Well, no shit, it's not going to beat the two. But I'm just saying, the young man trying to get a feel, you know, certainly wasn't expecting probably to play in week one. And I think... In those circumstances, he did an okay job. And again, remember, Baloney Boy is his head coach. But he didn't uh, look very good in the preseason at all. And uh, he doesn't, I don't think, have a lot of potential at the NFL level. And maybe he'll do well here. But uh, all I'll say is in fantasy football, I have picked up and started the Houston Texans in every league I possibly can because I think we are going to see multiple turnovers here as soon as he, because those three incompletions he did have were every time he tried to throw more than five yards. And I think that this will go very badly. I remember uh, a gentleman named Nathan Peterman doing very poorly uh, at Houston uh, last year. And I think we're going to see another game like that here. Let's go to Oakland. This will be the Raiders' last home game for like, what, two months? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I remember you telling me about Mm -hmm. their long road trip, which includes a trip to, to England, which I think is stupid, but that's for another day. Um, this is one of the, you talk about one of the marquee rivalries in the National Football League. This is it. This is the AFC's version of their, I think, their, their number one rivalry. Kansas City at Oakland, the old Chiefs, the old Raiders. Kansas City comes into that baseball stadium in the East Bay as seven-point favorites. And I felt really good. I got to admit, being the last home opener in Oakland after 60 years, minus the 13 years in Los Angeles, but as an as an organization, the 60th year, um, the last one in Oakland, the last black hole, um, they went in and they did what they had to do against Denver, which was telling because, first of all, I got to make mention, Vic Fangio looked a little lost as a head coach. And I understand you've got to learn that. 
He's 62 years old, but he's been a career, like 40-year guy on the defensive side of the ball. And to get your first opportunity as a head coach, Vic was a little bit, he was a little bit uh, swimming upstream, in my opinion. But again, I'll get, when we get to Chicago and Denver, I'll talk about it. But the Chiefs are just too damn talented. They're going to win the game. But here's, this isn't my upset of the week, but I will say this. I think the Chiefs win the game straight up, but this will be the last time that you will see the Chiefs and Raiders in Oakland. Next year, this game will be played in Las Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait. And um, I think this is very significant to the Raiders. I think this is significant to the Raiders fans. They won't see the Raiders now again for like, Chris has mentioned to all of you before about two months now, they go on a long, long road trip. Um, I just think that the chiefs win this one straight up. And for sentimental reasons, I have the Raiders covering. Well, the pros in Las Vegas agree with you. They're actually taking the, the Raiders and I can't quite figure it out. I know they're at home, but they're coming off an emotional win, which is usually a downer the next week. Definitely Chiefs outright. I, I really, I'm going to take the Chiefs both ways here because at if it was seven and a half, maybe of any, even I consider it, but at seven straight, it's, to me, I mean, the worst case scenario is a push. And I just, I, I can't make myself rely on the Raiders staying within six points of Patrick Mahomes, especially after what I saw him do last week against a better defense, also on the road. I just can't do it, so... I, I don't like to go against what the pros are saying. They must know something I don't, but uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs both ways. Yeah, the Bears still suck. They take their road show week number two. They take their first road trip. They go west to play out at Mile High, take on the Denver Broncos. Denver looked uh, a little confused under first-year head coach Vic Fangio on Monday night in in Oakland. Um, But Chicago, I think, you know, besides hating the Bears, I think that the Packers surprised the Chicago Bears with the way the Packers played defense. And I've already mentioned that I think Bears fans in the future should be worried about Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback long-term, considering, and that's why Chris is so, is so, Chris is so instrumental in making this show go for a lot of obvious reasons, but then he reminds me that they picked Mitchell Trubisky before Deshaun Watson and some guy named, let's see, Mahomes, who won the MVP last year in that same draft. So Chicago, I love their defense. I love Khalil Mack. Um, you know, they did lose uh, some real key pieces in their secondary, one of them to Green Bay. Thank you, Adrian Amos. Um, but there's something just not quite right there. And remember this, folks. I don't care what anybody says. I really don't in this regard. When you are at sea level, and you have to go play a game in Denver, and you're playing at 5,280 feet of elevation, it's an adjustment. And I don't think you can adjust when you show up Saturday, the day before Sunday's game. 
And for a lot of different reasons, Denver's home opener, a very substandard for Denver fans, a very substandard performance on Monday night in Oakland. It was really fun to watch the tooth on the sidelines and he looked pissed off because of the way they played. And he's the guy that thinks Joe Flacco is going to be the guy that gets them back to the promised land. Well, tooth, here's the problem. You're not getting to the Super Bowl. You've got two unbelievably talented defensive ends in Vaughn Miller, who I think is the AFC Defensive Player of the Year right now, and Bradley Chubb on the other side. But what do you got besides that? Your offense is non-existent. And I think I know a little bit about the NFL, but besides, well, fucked up Flacco, I don't know anybody else on Denver's offense. But this came up to me as my choice two as my upset of the week. Chicago comes in as two and a half point favorites, but I'm putting the elevation and the altitude at, at, you know, up on the forefront here. I believe if this game was in Chicago, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even come into, it wouldn't even come into fruition, but because it's in Denver, because Denver played so pathetically in week one against Oakland, I just think they have something to prove to their fan base. The Denver fan base folks are as passionate as you are in other big markets in the National Football League in regard to their fans and and their their kingdom and the kingdom wants to see something out of the Broncos on Sunday and I think they're going to get it. I have the Broncos winning this straight up and I have the Broncos also against the spread. This is one of my favorite games to pick this week. Broncos both ways all the way for uh the reasons you said and others. Uh, I love looking at the Vegas line and seeing 90% of the public money betting on Mitchell Trubisky on the road <laughs> at altitude. That's one of my favorite stats I've ever seen in my whole life. So, and then of course, you know, who would, and I know he didn't look great in week one, this coach, but I mean, who does Vic Fangio want to see? Except the old right. guy he used to scheme against in practice, right. who's not very good to begin with. I think Vic Fangio might have been looking ahead to this game. I think you're right. Right? And you're right. The fans are going to be pissed. They're going to they're going to expect a great showing of all things, of all teams to lose to the Raiders. And I mean, I know we talked about those other two divisions, but if there's two fan bases that hate each other more than the Broncos and the Raiders, I don't know them. And I think that this is going to be, for a lot of reasons, uh, a, a different game, let's say. I don't believe in Joe Flacco I, at all. But I think he'll be good enough in this game. I think they have a lot of running backs that are going to do well in this game. And yeah, Joe Flacco, saying that Joe Flacco is the future in Denver was like when a 45-year-old Hulk Hogan was in WCW <laughs> and someone called him the future of professional wrestling. And I, uh, our buddy Greg loves that one too. That was always funny. But this is the same thing. Flacco's not the future of anything. It's more fuel for the fire of the conspiracy theory that John Elway is trying to get shitty quarterbacks so he remains the best quarterback in Broncos history. But anyway, be that as it may, this is going to be a different thing for the Bears. I, the only downside I don't like about it is that they're on an extra long week. Yeah. Uh, 10 days and the uh, uh the Broncos run a short week having six days I don't like that but Fangio is going to have things dialed up to make Mr. Trubisky make a lot of mistakes at altitude and I love the Broncos both ways here my upset of the week this week happens to be a rematch of the NFC Championship game, and of course that became the the game that was called the call, if you will, in regard to the pass interference. and And I don't want to come out and say, and I, and I won't come out and say that New Orleans lost the game because New Orleans got the ball back. 
and they had a chance. So I'm not saying that that call changed history, but it probably is something that New Orleans has been looking at since the schedule came out. And this was this week two matchup. The New Orleans Saints visit the Los Angeles Coliseum to take on the homestanding Rams, the home opener for the L.A. Rams, their last season in the Coliseum before they move into the new stadium out at Hollywood Park for next season. The Rams come in as two-point favorites, but I just truly believe in my heart of hearts that Sean Payton and Drew Brees and that much-improved defense have something to prove to the Rams. And my upset of the week, I'm taking the Saints uh, straight up and against the spread. I think the Saints have something to prove to the Los Angeles Rams and the rest of the world that they can beat the Los Angeles Rams, and I think this week they get her done. Boy, this is a tough one. This is the toughest game of the week. Yeah, it is. There's it's, no question. There's so much hate. Like, I mean, you just know that the Saints have been just circling this on the calendar, and they're just ready to go. I think they would have done even better against Houston last week if they weren't looking ahead to this game. And man, there's a lot of hate there. They do have, if this was in New Orleans. Oh my God. Oh yeah. man. Can you imagine trying to get a ticket to that game? No. Oh man, that would be intense. But it, it's not there. It's, well, the nice thing is there might be, there's probably a lot of tickets available for New Orleans fans yeah. who want to fly out there and, and do that. So, I mean, for everything on paper, it makes sense to take New Orleans. And I think they're going to be out for blood here. But, and you know, Sean Payton's a good coach and everything, but Sean McVay is an amazing coach. I think he'll have stuff ready to go for this game. I think he won't overthink it like he did the Super Bowl. And I don't know. I, this is such a hard game, but I'm just going to fade the public. Uh, at least 60% of the money is on New Orleans here. I'm almost surprised New Orleans wasn't favored. I thought that yeah. the public would just... Well, because it's in Los Angeles. I guess, but I kind of thought the public would still just yeah. eat up the Saints at any number, even as a favorite. Uh, everyone thinks they're going to go in and just you know get revenge, but... Uh, I don't have a reason for it, but I'm just going to take the Rams both ways. I still think the Rams win the the uh, NFC West, but I just think in this one-game scenario, New Orleans is just going to send a message to the rest of the league that they are a force. And uh, they, like Chris said, I think they've been circling this one. As soon as the schedule came out, the New Orleans... The, the Saints themselves, the fans, anything involved with the Saints organization circled this one and said, boys, let's get ready. The Sunday night game on NBC comes from uh, the Mercedes-Benz, whatever the hell they call it in Atlanta, Philadelphia visits. Philly comes home, or excuse me, goes to Atlanta as two-point favorites. Atlanta's got some problems. Um, I don't know what happened. Minnesota only ran the ball 10 times last week and still blew them out of the stadium. I, again, it's early in the season. I still think Atlanta could be there at the end in regard to a wild card position. I'm giving the NFC West division title to the New Orleans Saints, but Atlanta could be a good football team. I just was surprised at what happened. I thought that they would play the Vikings a little bit closer than they did. For whatever reason, I think Philly is better than they were last week against Washington, and part of that is because I think the Redskins played pretty damn well. But in this case, as a two-point favorite, I have my Super Bowl-winning Eagles uh, both against the spread and straight up. Yeah, I do too. And I'm a little suspicious of Atlanta be uh, doing okay in this game, even though it doesn't make sense for them to. You'd think that they can't be as bad as they were last week. But the concern is that O-line because their O-line has been terrible. Even in the preseason, I mean, they were leaving Matt Ryan in their longer 
than they should have because they're like, is the O-line really this bad against backups? Like, what's going on here? And then now they lost Chris Lindstrom, their big draft pick. And that O-line is bad. And you're going against a tough front seven with Fletcher Cox and some other great pieces there. And also, the Atlanta doesn't have a very good run defense either. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's always a ton of running backs in Philadelphia. So on paper, this is a slam dunk. I'm kind of worried about something just, you know, not making any sense. But uh, there's Atlanta gave us nothing to work with last week. Nothing. They were a joke. And I'm going to take Philly both ways. The Monday night game uh, finds the... I, I think the only word I can use so far, and it's only been week one, I get that, but the hype was so great in regard to all the change in, in Cleveland. Um, you know, John Dorsey, uh, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, the drunk guy from Green Bay, they bring in the new coach, Kitchens. Um, I mean, there has just been tremendous change in Cleveland, and they've been the kind of the fancy pick to do some damage this year. A lot of people think they could, and I have them sneaking into the playoffs as the sixth and final seed in the AFC. Um, If you look at week one, you flush all it down the toilet. It was terrible. And the biggest thing that I saw from week one in regard to the Cleveland Browns was um, I know that there was a lot of emotion in the building, but uh, there were guys, one guy got thrown out. I know that there should have been a second one. Miles Garrett should have been thrown out for throwing a punch, but I guess they considered it not a punch and he's Miles Garrett. So they gave him a little bit of a, uh, a hall pass, if you will, but 18 penalties, that's undisciplined. And that's on coach Freddie kitchens. That is undisciplined play. 18 penalties cost him. It had a, didn't cost him the game, but it had a large bearing in the outcome in the game. And Tennessee, is Tennessee that much better than the Cleveland Browns? No. But on this day, they sure as hell were because they didn't make the stupid, silly mistakes. Um, the Jets have a lot of problems. The Jets let a 16-point midway through the third quarter lead. They let that piss, they, they piss that away, lose it 17-16. to 16. This week, uh, they're without their quarterback, uh, Sam Darnold, who has been diagnosed with mono. He could be out for his anywhere from four to six weeks. Mono could mono's a is a bitch, folks. If you've ever had mono, um, you're tired, you're run down all the time. It can take a while to get out of your system. They could be without the former USC star for at least four to six weeks. So we'll see what happens there. Is CJ Mosley going to be back this week? He was he was dynamic for three quarters in that Buffalo-New York Jets game. He was unbelievable. He was the free agent signing of the week. He was awesome. And then he gets hurt, they come back and win, meaning Buffalo. Um, This game finds Cleveland coming in with a six-point advantage. They were six-point favorites on this one. Um, I think the Browns win the football game just simply because I don't know enough about the Jets' backup quarterback. Um, I don't know their psyche right now after pissing away the 16-point lead against a division rival at home. Um, the first Monday night game for the New York Jets in eons. There's a lot of things here, a lot of factors involved here, but in the ultimate, I decided to go with the Browns to win it straight up. They can't be as bad as they were last week. And all this extracurricular bullshit about uh, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator of the Jets, according to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He te- he teaches dirty tactics and cheap shots. I think that's all bullshit. That's all just bullshit. I think what it is is Cleveland is going to win the game straight up, but they're going to make enough mistakes to keep the Jets in the game, and I have the Jets against the spread. What was your spread there again? Six, Cleveland. Six even? Six even. 
it was actually funny. There were a lot of funny memes this week after the diagnosis of mono for Sam Darnold. People are posting all these videos of, you know, young teenagers just grossly making out, you know, like overly opening their mouths for kissing and it was just disgusting. And then they'd label the guy Sam Darnold and (laughs) it, it, it it was pretty funny. But anyway... I know it's supposed to be just a brutal disease and just wipe you out or whatever. Just You just have no energy, I guess. So, uh, But I have to say, I looked at this, and originally, before the mono diagnosis, this line opened, and uh, the New York Jets were two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home on Monday Night Football. Right. And I had the Jets both ways. And now it's gone up to six, and I have the Jets both ways. Still, I have not changed a thing. I will take the extra points because Le'Veon Bell had an MRI on his shoulder, but it's fine. Yep. Uh, I, I, it sounds optimistic that Mosley and Quinn and Williams, who have both had issues this week, they should both play is where things are trending. And so because of all that, and Trevor Simeon, you know, seventh round pick of the Broncos there and had, played a couple of years for the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Okay. Look, looked okay, yeah. right? And he can make throws. Like his first year, he was 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. Not bad, right? So I think he can uh, protect the ball well enough. And uh, the Browns are just overrated i mean that's all there is to it and i feel bad for cleveland fans we have often talked on this show about our admiration for cleveland fans they're those are they're gamers they come out to play they support teams that don't deserve it and i understand how tough it and frustrating it must be to be uh, a cleveland sports fan now uh, i understand what happened here they're so bad they win zero games the one year then they win one game and it just seems so hopeless then everyone tells them you guys are the best off-season you're the off-season champions right, right? right you have right. the whatever and now you you're Super Bowl contenders and it all just was too flimsy for me you have a quarterback who's young and inexperienced and kind of a weirdo and you have a complete <laughs> you have a completely unproven coach you have a bunch of new guys on the team who've never played together have no chemistry like the whole thing was just a house of cards to begin with and then I understand Browns fans we're just, you know, they're all hyped up and then they get the shit kicked out of them by the lowly Tennessee Titans. And you saw Browns fans burning their jerseys oh, yeah. and freaking out. Yep. And it's, you, you know, when you build up that much hype and it just came crashing down in one week and now everyone just thinks we're the same old Browns and I think they are too. And now you have to go on the road against an underrated defense and an underrated team. And even on offense, I mean, as much as I like Cleveland's front seven, when you have even Trevor Simeon, he's, I think, if nothing else, he's an accurate quarterback who can throw good checkdowns. You have Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, and you have Jamison Crowder, who last week uh, had, I think, between 17 and 19 targets and caught 14 passes in one game. You have Crowder and Bell to bail you out, and you can run the ball, and you have a lot of great pieces on the Jets. I like the Jets a lot here, and the extra points just makes me even happier. I think we're going to see the Browns continue to suck and continue to implode, and I think that is going to be one of the biggest stories this season that just, it's like that putting on that jersey, the Browns jersey, seems to make you suck. And uh, I like the Jets here to, uh, you know, to avenge their their opening week loss, and I think the Browns are going to suck again, and I'm taking the Jets both ways. I just got to say really, real real quick, um... The next thing the Jets have, or excuse me, the Browns need to do is get a better uniform combination than they had week one. Yeah. They look like 22 flirting, floating turds out there with that yeah. all brown stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was terrible. Little mm-hmm. orange, little something, but it just, that was terrible. You know what I saw the, this week, by the way, I just saw on Twitter, actually just today. So I'm from Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Uh, the Yorkton Terriers play in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And one of the other teams is the Estevan Bruins. That's the same group as the Humboldt Broncos. As the Humboldt Broncos, yeah, absolutely. Same league, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, the SJHL. So 
Uh, I mean, hey, like, obviously, go Humboldt for sure. But uh, I saw, and I for, at first I thought this was a clip of the Boston Bruins, but it was actually the Estevan Bruins. And so they've got the same jerseys as the Boston Bruins. Okay. Except they debuted new ones just now where um, instead of all black, it's all white. And the white jerseys with all the, 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 the black and yellow logo and, and like the jersey all white and yellow just looked fantastic. And even Bob McKenzie was was uh, tweeting about it on like they look just beautiful, I have mm. to say. So just a, just a quick uniform note there. <laughs> uh, that's looking. And by the way, a lot of people also say the other thing about week two, a lot of people love when the Raiders and the Chiefs play because no matter which one is the white and which one is the darks, uh, a lot of people think that's one of the best classic uniform combinations, seeing those two play. Just a couple of uniform notes for those uniform nerds out there. We've got a run on this 389th episode of Unscripted. Our uh, week two NFL picks are now complete, and Chris will have them up before kickoff tomorrow morning. We appreciate that, and we appreciate you. We thank everybody for participating and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.